This is the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. I'm going to zap her again. Charge up the paddles. Come on, let's go, let's go. Sorry, Doctor. Hold the compressions. Clear. Straight line. Good evening and welcome to Rock and Roll Autopsy. We are the forensic files on your radio dial. My name is Scott. My name is Rico. And if we got a show for you tonight, we are going to knock your... Why is the request line ringing again? I just feel like, man, maybe just people just want to talk to us. Maybe maybe that one listener out there, maybe is too. I thought you were going to fire the intern so that we could get somebody to control the doggone phones. I thought you were doing that. All right. Miscommunication. It stopped ringing. Oh, good. They hung up. We lost it. Oh, thank goodness. Okay, let's get on with the show. Have we got a show for... Oh, God. Come on. All right. Let's see who it is. All right. Maybe it's... Who knows? I'll pick it up. All right. It's the breather again. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even... This guy called the other day. He's been calling more and more... Okay, uh, breather. All right, what's up tonight? What is going on? No, I, I know he wants to. He wants to talk about the Deshaun Watson case. Oh, brother, I don't want to talk about the Deshaun. Watson This is case. not. We're talking rock and roll, my man. Not Deshaun Watson. Listen, breather. This is rock and roll autopsy. If you're not calling in to make an autopsy request for us tonight, we don't want to hear you. I don't care how tiny that towel is you've got on your crotch. <laughs> I don't care, man. All right, listen. Let's do Alanis Morissette. You ought to know. I ought to know. Do you know? Hang up on that mug. All right, get See out of here, breather. Get talk the hell about out of Deshaun here. Watson. It's this the most tired the, story. Come on now. This isn't sports this is talk radio. He got the wrong phone number. This isn't the fan. No. I'm not I'm not the, the sports babe. <laughs> Remember the sports babe? <laughs> hey man she was a pioneer dude yeah all right <laughs> i'm not jim rome oh, oh god what is a what is a romey rack them rack the rack them rack the breather all right this isn't none of East that of shit. the rockies talk to me <laughs> it's art bell all right <laughs> it's rock and roll autopsy it's lettuce morissette it's you ought to know let's get in the way back machine and go all the way back to the early 90s it's post-grunge. It's Rock and Roll Autopsy. But first, the news. What is this garbage you're watching? I want to watch the news. This is the news. All right. First news item of the night. July 3rd, 2021. Gwen Stefani and Blake Shelton get married at Shelton's Ranch in Oklahoma. They met in 2014 when they were judges on the TV show The Voice and started dating a year later. (laughs) There's one reason that I picked this. Love always gets me a little choked up. Tito, will you hand me a tissue? (laughs) 
I picked this because I I watched a lot of Voice. I don't know if you've ever seen that show or not. Spits and pieces. I've seen so many episodes, and the reason why I put this in here is because I watched this entire courtship unfold. Oh my gosh! The entire thing. You watched their love blossom. I watched the entire. Actually, pretty interesting because they were both coming off really bad divorces, right? Well, who was Gwen with? The Bush the dude guy. From Bush. Gavin Ross. So what is this early '90s rock night? We got Bush and No Doubt and fucking exactly. Alanis Morissette. Absolutely. So she's coming off of Gavin Rossdale. Yep. He's coming off of Miranda Lambert. Okay. Is that some country singer? Country singer. Sorry, I'm a rocker. Yeah, country. I, I'm. I don't know much country. I know the name. 19, I know the pre 1980 country. I'm good. So but it was no, a bad. They divorce. were both coming off of bad divorces. They're both doing the Voice. Well, Blake Shelton was a regular on the Voice. She was a guest judge on the Voice. And they were they both could relate to each other because they were both coming off of bad marriages in this. So, so they, they're rebounding. Like they exchanged phone numbers and then Ooh. they were texting and then Yikes. then they start, dude. And I just witnessed the whole thing. And but wait a minute, it was isn't, actually pretty cool. Isn't he a little country and she's a little rock and roll, dude? She's punk, isn't she's punk sky and he's total country. Isn't it like peanut butter and chocolate, like oil and water? How can they be together, dude? I've I've seen the whole thing. They just fucking work, man. They just they. they I don't understand. Do it. you get a little teary eyed when you I watch do. it? It's hallmarkish. You know, if those crazy kids can find love, why can't we? Why can't we be friends? Why, why can't, can't we? I don't be watch. Friends? I've watched a little bit of The Voice. That's the one where they turn their backs on the singers, right? Correct. So they're judging their voice and not their appearance, right? Yes. And then, um, well, that's to, to get on the show. They start with their backs right, turned, like the audition stage, and it's strictly voice related. And then the other judges are Howie Mandel and Simon Cowell, no. um, Randy Jackson, <laughs> and <laughs> that's America's and Got Talent. Gilbert Gottfried, the Center Square. <laughs> Right, and 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 how he and how he uh, what Mandel is super germaphobe and he's got to yeah. wear his biohazard yeah. suit. Um, anyways, I, I put that in just because I witnessed the whole thing and from the very beginning to marriage almost, and it's pretty cool, dude. How it's they got beautiful. Together. It is. It's beautiful. Not to get all sappy on you, but it's pretty cool. Is there anything else in the news this week? Oh uh, yeah, July third, nineteen eighty-three. The Red Hot Chili Peppers take the stage at the Kit Kat Club in Hollywood. Wearing nothing but socks and not on their feet. So this is the famous. I've seen that in socks on the crotch. Socks. The sock is actually on their genitalia. Correct. Uh, yeah, it's on their around their balls and penis. Can I let you? The, but my biggest question is, how the hell did it stay on? Well, I would thank you. I'm glad you brought this up. Now I don't know if it's because I've got such a to quote Howard a minuscule schlonger, but I would need like little suspenders or like one of those double sided tape. Double sided tape, yeah. or you know how like in you'd see like those old like images of like paper clips. Like those dudes that back in the day, like in the twenties, with their zoot suits, wear like a little <laughs> garter with their. <laughs> Socks in the garter, like be around their calf. <laughs> so I need like a little garter, but like that thing would not stay on. My... Cock sock garters. Yeah, that's it, dude. There's no way. I mean, I that could... was my biggest question. Is you know how those dudes jump around stage yeah. so fuck? How the hell did they keep them on? There's no way that I could. Did they like roll some duct tape on there? Maybe or... they have like a ton of pubic. 
Maybe the pubage was acting Bobby pins like, to their pubic hair? It's got to be like Velcro. Like, they could put like... Ooh, Velcro. Just don't... Just let your winter bush grow <laughs> and get some Velcro. Velcro strips on the inside of the sock. Golden. And then do it up like that. Yeah, man. Interesting. Do you have... Now, when you were a teenager, did you have that one sock in the bedroom? Oh, totally. You know that sock I'm uh, talking about. Oh, of course. The cum sock. Oh, yeah. The sock you never wanted mom to come in no, and pick up. No, you put it like under your bed, in between your bed mattress and your box spring. <laughs> but then there'd be that one time when you'd look for it and it'd be gone and your heart would be racing a million miles a minute. Oh, no, because you thought you realized, caught you. <laughs> and you realize that your mom found your cum sock and threw it in the wash. Ooh, and then you could just never look at your mom again as she like stood there making dinner and you think, God, I and then hands. she gives you that look like, I know what I know what I know what I found. <laughs> I hope she washed her hands before she started <laughs> making dinner. <laughs> oh, Honey, what's wrong? You don't seem hungry tonight. You don't want to eat. Because <laughs> I know you picked up my cum sock. <laughs> I think God. That, <laughs> that's what I that's what I felt like. When you when you think you're caught, like hurling all over the place. So if I put cum sock in the show description, what are the SEO opportunities? <laughs> <laughs> Will we see like a spike? <laughs> Will we see like a spike in listenership for perverts? I certainly hope so. <laughs> all right. Oh my god. July sixth, two thousand nine. Alanis Morissette begins an eight-episode stint on the Showtime drama Weeds, playing obstetrician, I hope I said that right, Audra, is that the name? Audra Kitson. Yeah. Did I pronounce that right? I think so. The name and the profession. I, I, I think so. I don't have to visit one, so I'm not sure. Right. But, um, I watched her on Weeds. She was good, actually. Yeah, Chris, uh, my wife watched uh, weeds back when it was yeah, on. Weeds I, is a great show, man. And she was really good on that show. It. Yeah, I was she surprised was in, uh, to see her, and I'm like, oh wow, it's fucking a lot of. She's done acting. Cool. Yeah. She, I think she played God in Dogma, didn't oh, she? Oh, that's right. Wasn't she God? Yeah, yeah. She played God in Dogma. Like, what else and was... she's Canadian, which makes it even better. Yeah. What else was she in, like acting wise? Anything else? Uh, I the God and Weeds are the, the only two ones that I know. Hmm. There's probably some other ones, but. Yeah, I didn't watch it, man. I could catch bits and pieces of it when my wife would watch it. It looked pretty good, man. But it was just about like a a, a woman who was like a, a suburban woman who dealt weed, right? So, well, yeah, her husband died. Okay. And she starts selling weed to to just make pay, ends pay, meet, to pay the bills. Yeah. And it just kind of balloons from there. And it's super funny, dude. Great hmm. show. I recommend it to anybody. Interesting. I wonder what other career op- options she might have, like, you know, thought about, kicked around. Uh, like, they're selling weed. You could, you know, there's you, the oldest profession in the book. I mean, I if mean, you had to, you could, you know. I you mean, could, it was set in California, I think, so there's many opportunities out there. If you had to, you could probably blow Dave Coulier for You one. probably could. All right, what else in is a, in the news? In a theater. In a theater. Um July 7th, 1973, Paul McCartney and Wings release Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die. And is that for a, a Bond movie yeah, of James the same Bond. name? Live and Let Die. Yeah. So, all right. Yep. 
You wanted to ask me something about this song? How familiar are you with the James Bond songs? Um, well, I'm not like a Bond guy. Um, I think I went through a brief window back in the 80s when I grew up with Roger Moore. And I remember seeing those movies like on cable TV quite a bit. And so yeah. I'd watch them and I liked them, yeah. you know. But I would think I'm probably more familiar with the songs that are associated with the movies than I am the movies Can, themselves. Do right? you know the songs well enough to give me like a top three? No. Okay. No, I mean I know recently like Adele had one, and I know that's that that's one um, of my top three. Is Adele? That's a great one. Then Billie Eilish had one recently, right? Or, Hers is okay. I'm okay then, with that one. Um, there's um, Madonna course, did one. Remember? What did Madonna do? Uh, was that I, Pierce Brosnan I era? Think it would may have been the Pierce Brosnan Bond. Yeah, um, that would make sense because that was Sheena the last Easton time did one. She was relevant. Um, well, for a minute. Yeah. She's Scottish. It's cool, right? No, I mean uh, Madonna. I mean, oh Madonna. Madonna. I was just thinking, well, when was the last time Madonna? Madonna's was James out? Bond theme was awful. I was it? it? Yeah. yeah. So, "Live and Let Die" would certainly be in my top three. Aren't the songs usually just the title of the movie Sometimes. in most cases? Well, they, yeah, but not always. Yeah. What about the you have uh, the Carly Simon one? Come on, tell me you know that one. Which Nobody one? Nobody does. Yeah, better. yeah, of course. Yep. That's also in my top three. So yeah. it'd be Live and Let Die, the Carly Simon one, uh, and and Adele. Those are my top three. So this is in my top three. This song is fantastic, and I love the Guns N' Roses remake of it. Yeah, they're if both you can really good. That. Yeah, they're both really good. That's the only the only redeeming quality of Guns N' Roses is their <laughs> version of this song. <laughs> You were young and your heart. You got to put up with Axel's. Was an open book. Axel's granny you voice. You used to say, live and let live. When he slips into like the granny voice. Oh, yeah. yeah. Have you seen the meme on the internet recently? Um, okay, no. so GNR played a show recently where Axel's voice was just in really bad shape. And he, apparently Big he sounded there. like. Apparently he sounded like the perverted old man on Family Guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> So somebody did like a supercut of him singing and did like the, the Brian De Palma carry split screen of <laughs> Axel on one side and the, and the perverted elderly man from Family Guy on the other. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious, man. <laughs> and I can't remember the name of the pervert, but yeah, his voice is just gone. Oh and then he, it does sound like this guy, and it's kind of sad. That's freaking hysterical. This has man. been like just a quick, quick sidebar before we wrap the news. Uh, this, I thought coming out of COVID, because before COVID, a lot of our aging rock stars were really struggling at the mic, and I thought, well, you know what? A year of forced downtime where these guys have to rest their throats, we're going to see these guys come back with like newfound vocal power, and they'll get their pipes back from a year of like forced rest. And if you followed in the last three months, Rico, oh, it has yes, been a train wreck. Au contraire, because it, they all sound terrible. Worse than ever. It has ever. been a train have wreck. Have you seen... John Bon Jovi, Paul Stanley, stuff? Axl Rose, Vince oh Neil, holy hell. sound awful. They all need to, like, quit. Now. And, and is it because, like... Is it because just, I mean, and maybe I'm just dead wrong. I thought a year of rest, maybe that muscle needed constant work just to stay. Just to just to keep hanging on, you have to just keep the object in motion, stays in motion. Maybe, yeah. And they were barely hanging on as it is, but the repetition of it just kept them at that 
floor, but dude, the floor's dry. Oh, John Bon Jovi. If you watch the footage of John Bon Jovi on YouTube, it's so bad. Holy hell. It's bad. You're charging how much a ticket? And And the funny thing is, the crowd doesn't seem to care. It's a nostalgia trip. They're there for that, but. I mean, mean, Bon Jovi's playing like three or four keys. Ooh. That was that kind of. I felt that one. Sorry about that. Yeah. Dude, they're playing like three or four keys. Oh, yeah. It's like. And the crowd's like, yeah! So fucking cool, Bon Jovi. And he sounds terrible. Yeah, let's listen to Living on a Prayer tuned to like a C sharp, like fucking sweet leaf from Black (laughs) Sabbath. It's like, that's not even Living on a Prayer. They got to drop it down to like typo negative shit. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, is it Bon Jovi if you're playing it like in C sharp? It's just madness. (laughs) And he still can't hit the notes. But they've got so much, and David Coverdale's another, and they're bringing so much on stage of like, you know, the guys in the band can all sing. They've got additional, like, piped-in backing vocals. So they're giving them so much, like, support to try to carry these it's guys so through shows. It's so fake and terrible and bad, and they're charging ass loads for these tickets, and people are dumb enough to buy them, and I just don't get it, man. But boy, was I wrong. I thought the COVID thing would be a blessing in disguise no to way, force man. these guys to rest their pipes, but holy but hell. But you know what? What a train wreck. But is that a bad thing, that COVID is exposing these old-ass motherfuckers and, and forcing them to hang it up? Right? I mean, right? But, you know, but, too, I mean, and it will wrap, but quick, it's like, these guys are on tour, not necessarily because, like, John Bon Jovi needs the jack, but it's John Bon Jovi, Inc. I mean, the dude employs a shit ton of people that need him to drag his ass up on stage yeah, and sound like true. shit, you know? There's a ton of people uh, in that, you know, machine that kind of rely on that thing to keep moving. Yeah, well, that's a good point. All right, well, that's been the news segment with a little diversion at the end. We'll be right back. Rico. Yeah, man, what's up? We need reviews. What is that? What does that mean? Well, it's like... What does that mean to us? Well, people who listen to our podcast, it would be swell um, if they would go to Apple Podcasts and write a review or go to Spotify and give us a star rating, something between one and five. It helps us. How do we know how bad we really are if people don't tell us? We need the feedback, and the algorithm loves it, and that algorithm is hungry. It needs it needs fed bad. You know what else needs fed bad? Your ego needs fed bad on this. Yeah, I That's need... why we really want the reviews. Let's face it, right? Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I need... Listen, I get zero positive feedback in my life. People around me despise me, so I'm counting on total strangers to say nice things. Yeah, we, I guess the point is is to make your ego like completely non-manageable so that I want to stop doing this podcast. And people might be motivated to do that if they dislike the podcast. Right. If they want to see in like an intercompany battle between creative differences and how I can't stand how giant your ego is, all all we need is for those people to start giving us reviews and feedback. And that'll happen, guys. You'll you'll get some really good social media entertainment here. It would be a backwards way for them to kill a podcast they hate by saying good things about it. So that my ego would rage out of control. Exactly. And you would storm off in a huff. I think we all want that, right? I know I do. So please, do us a favor and give us some feedback.
special guest, Black and Blue. Live at the Richfield Coliseum Theater. Tickets are still on sale until late tonight at the Coliseum Box Office and all Ticketron locations. Now tonight at 8 p.m., the Rock and Roll Adventure Kiss. Don't miss Rush at the Coliseum next Thursday, December Cause we gotta, 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 get down, damn The weekend never ends on WMMS Cleveland. We are gathered here to remember rock and roll. Rock was born the rambunctious son of country western and blues. In the year of our Lord, 1955, on this day, the birth of rock and roll, gifted under the world a gyrating pelvis, a throbbing beat, and a pulsating rhythm, a sound so infectious and rollicking that it would endow previously scrupulous young minds with identity, individualism, and purpose, thus setting forth a multi-generational pursuit of all that is loud, debaucherous, and unholy. But, sadly, like all earthly endeavors, rock too must perish. Oh, we mourn the loss of rock and roll, with its ridiculously old standard bearers still on tour and charging ungodly amounts of Mad Jack to witness their long past the sell-by date asses on stage and with its chauvinism, misogyny and whiteness no longer aligning with modern sensibilities and with its aging, fist-shaking fan base kicking every would-be rocker off their proverbial lawn, rock has indeed passed into the celestial void. May rock rest in peace in eternal cacophonous slumber. Amen. Thank you for that, Scott. You are listening to the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. The Autopsy Report. All right, all you listener out there, it's Alanis Morissette. You ought to know off the Jagged Little Pill album. Released June 13th, 1995. Recorded March 8th through April 1994. Uh, 1995 from Westlake Recording Studios and Signet Sound in Hollywood. About 57 minutes, the label's Maverick and Reprise. Producer is Glenn Ballard. All right, gang, it's Rock and Roll Autopsy. It's Alanis Morissette, and you ought to know we've got five categories, and they are gratuitous boomerism, boomerism, excessive misogyny, misogyny. wanton whiteness, malignant machismo, macho, and culture vulturism. Vultures! Man, we are going back to the 90s. I was a young buck. I want to go back. I want to be young again. Let's go. Rico, do it. Let's climb in that way back machine, Let's go man. All the way back to 1994, to our prime, prime, <laughs> prime, man. 
All right, it's a lot of s'more set. My testosterone was at its highest. You ought to know. It's category one. <laughs> it is gratuitous boomerism. Rico, how do you score? Low, zero, because she's an Xer like me and you, man. She's exactly my age. She's yeah. just born like a month before me. Yeah. Yeah. So. She was, uh, I believe. She was like around 19 or 20 when she wrote this. Yeah, we're the same age. We're both yeah. born in 74. Her yeah. in, I think, June, me in July. Which so makes like it even right crazier there. that she was not even old enough to drink when she wrote this. Yeah. Think about and, that. And, yeah, and just a young pup, and but super... I wasn't doing anything anywhere near this creative... Oh, my God, no. In 19, what was I doing in 1994? Um, we, were, we were thinking of how many different beers we could drink in yeah. the weekend she was blowing dudes in a theater and i was masturbating in a theater probably so there's a little similarity in the there. theater of the mind all right <laughs> i'm gonna score That's gratuitous a boomerism a big fat zero as well you are correct sir it's category two excessive misogyny Rico, uh, how do you score? Uh, no, well, no. There's, she's she's a she's a very angry young lady. Yeah, it's there's nothing misogynistic about that. There's no points to be found here, is there? Can can I? Uh, it's funny no. when we look at rock music and it's just there's misogyny everywhere. everywhere. But it's like it's the stark contrast whenever you actually get a female rock song. All of a sudden, this category it's. It, it doesn't apply I mean, at all, right? I mean, what's the opposite of misogyny? Like, if a girl, like, if Lannis Morissette was a guy, this would be a misogynistic song, right? So what is it, what would be the opposite of misogyny? Like, misterogyny? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> is this song misterogynous? <clears throat> Are you asking me if I've been on the receiving end of it, Rico? I mean, have But, you? listen... I mean, this is why it's this is an important, you know, song in the history of rock and roll. Are we letting her off the hook because she's a female? Well, we're not letting her off the hook, but it just doesn't it doesn't work for this. uh, No, it's got to be a zero. Yeah, it's a zero. Agree. All right. Yeah, I'm going to score it a zero as well. Let's move on to category three, wanton whiteness. Rico, how do you score? Um, The scorned lover is it crosses all boundaries right so there's agreed there, yeah there's nothing i mean white specific about a scorned lover i mean yeah i mean it's it's with uh, i mean you can think of tina or turner singing ab- i don't know how you, you, you can think that. of tina turner singing about sure. this aretha franklin i mean it's it's all over the place right i mean yeah. this is a universal it's like kind uh, of, aretha uh, aretha franklin singing respect you know? right this is Same this thing. is um this, this is a uh Crosses, common tale sure it is a big fat zero for wanton whiteness yeah well, I'm going to give it a 0.5. Are you? And I'll tell you why. Hit me. It's Canadian. Oh, don't you don't knock on my Canadians, man. I love Canada. I love Canada. I love... Did I ever tell you how much I love Canada? Yeah, super white. Can it, Canada's really white, man. Yeah, so it's that's it's got to be... You got to start at a so baseline. So you give her a 0.5 just because... Okay, all right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it started a baseline point five. I mean, just the worst for the thing that ever happened in Canada was somebody stole a bunch of maple syrup. <laughs> There's nothing whiter than that. <laughs> I mean, I have to give her a baseline point five just because. Just because she's Canadian. That's it. Okay. I don't care what the song is about at hey, that point. Good point, eh? All right, we're rolling right through this autopsy. I know you, dear listener, listener. 
You're on the edge of your seat. You can't wait to see how this scores. You remember the song. Surely you were around in the 90s. This thing was on the radio non-stop. It was on the MTV. This is one of the biggest hits of the 90s off of one of the biggest albums of the 90s. And to any of you person out there that haven't listened to this, you ought to know. Where have you been? Right. All right, category four, malignant machismo. Rico, how do you score? This gets a very huge plus one. There's This song is super macho, man. She is exploding with anger, and this is if, if, if a song by a female could be macho, it would be this song, and there isn't a, a song, very many of them, that I've listened to from females that are more macho than this one. She's pissed, man. She's pissed, and she's super macho. I'm giving it a one. I'm The science doesn't lie, my man. She's really angry, man, and I'll be she honest is, with you. Man. As a dude, the song scares me a little bit. Precisely why I give it a one, because yeah. it kind of, I get nervous. Can I quote some lyrics here? Please do. Because I got them up on my phone, and Please if you don't do. mind. Because this is, this, is the, and this is the part of the uh, autopsy where we... Kind of becomes where we explore right? some lyrics, dude. And I'll be if my voice quivers a little bit, it's because this song scares for me. You. As a dude, thank you. As a dude, I get scared because I feel like I'm getting yelled at. Do you want to sit on my lap? Mm. No. Okay. No. Um, I want you to know that I'm happy for you. I wish nothing but the best for you both. Dripping with sarcasm. Oh, my gosh. An older version of me, is she perverted like me? Would she go down on you in a theater? Does she speak eloquently, and would she have your baby? I'm sure she'd make a really excellent mother. Man. But here's the thing, dude. If I was fortunate enough, and again, Alanis and I are the exact same age. Right. At that age, I'm not thinking about being with anyone and having children. No. So that just at that point, it's like, is this what women think about? Like when they're looking at a dude, is it like it's like I, you know, or they look at a dude with another woman? Is it like, oh, would she have your baby? Would she make an excellent mother? I just wouldn't think about that stuff. Dude, she was 19, man. It's really young to be thinking about. To be ready to get to settle down. Yeah. And it's like when I family, when I would look at a, a prospective mate at 19, I wouldn't look at her and think. Yeah, them there's some childbearing hips. I like that. Well, <laughs> I'd like nothing more than to settle down and have her rear my children. <laughs> I'm sure she'd make She's a really, a really excellent, excellent mother. <laughs> was that what you were thinking of? <laughs> that was what I thought of. I mean, that's like the furthest. That's like the that's like a nightmare to find I out mean, that you can at, become at a parent. At nineteen, I was I was playing baseball in college, but really, what I was thinking, damn, I just want to have some kids and settle down. <laughs> maybe start, like, maybe start a farm. So then, check raise this some out. animals. You seem very well. Things look peaceful. I'm not quite as well. I thought you should know. That's my favorite line in the, in wow. the song. Wow. I am not. Do you feel the daggers? I felt it, dude. Like, even you saying it makes me think of her singing it, and it gives me chills. Dude. I know you've been shitty to some broads in the past, too. I know your sordid histories. This Fuck is yeah, really dude. hurting you, because you know there's some ladies who pen some fucking diabolical Fuck shit yeah. with you in mind. Not Full House. Not John Stamos I'm or the Dave, Dave Coulier, Coulier of Northeast Ohio, man. Bob Saget. None of that. 
I'm the Dave Coulier of Northeast Ohio. Are you fucking Did you me? forget about me, Mr. Duplicity? Duplicity. I hate to bug you in the middle of dinner. True story. So verified. Yeah, is this kind a full of house ver- story? Kind of verified. By Bob Saget? Yes, kind of verified on me, by man. Bob Saget that Dave Coulier <laughs> got a phone call in the middle of dinner by somebody, quote unquote, uh, verified that that really fucking happened. Wow. How bizarre is it that, like, the fucking full house dudes... And Dave Coulier with his hockey mullet. <laughs> Dude, that thing is glorious, man. It's glorious. There's dudes that are purposefully growing mullets and porn stashes now. It was a slap in the face how quickly I was replaced. And are you thinking of me when you when, fucker? Yeah. Wow. Damn. It's bad, dude. Like... She's pissed. Have you ever been on the receiving end of some really, like, hardcore feminine anger because of your terrible boyfriendness? Yes. I have a couple. I'm not sure how public I want to go in the, in the podcast. I'm only going to say, I'm only going to say yes. I've been on the receiving end. <laughs> All right, I will do a quick, and then we'll have to... We don't want these... Listen, we got to get out of this you ought to know discussion before we both get drawn. I know. I'm going to need to call my therapist after this. I I will say I had a Seinfeld moment with a girl I was dating in the 90s. Um, Did she have man hands? A little bit, but check this out. This is... is, (laughs) I got to make this quick. (laughs) Why, fuck it. We're so far off the rails right now. All right. We'll just go with it. Do you remember the um, Dolores episode of Seinfeld? I didn't watch many of those episodes. I was not a Seinfeld watcher. Well, he can't remember her name, right? But it rhymes with clitoris. (laughs) (laughs) I dated a girl that I had no idea what her name was. And we dated serious? for like probably like a month. Are we you went fu- on dates. How the hell did you get away with that? Well, that's the point is that I kind of knew what her name was, <laughs> but I wasn't really sure. Oh my She's God. probably never going to hear this, but I felt really shitty about it because we went on like multiple dates and her multiple name, days. her name was either Belinda or Melinda. But I didn't know which. So this is a total you, so Seinfeld you, moment. So did you chop the initial consonant off and just go, hey, Alinda? You'd be surprised. <laughs> but here's the thing is you'd be surprised how long you can talk to people and never address them by name. Holy hell. You can literally do it for a long ass time. Oh, my but, God. So but you to, dated a girl for a month and didn't know her name. Yeah, we went on several oh, dates. That's and impressive, I had, man. I had no idea what her name was. It's, it's, that's such, a, a, it's such a guy thing. I mean... <laughs> You pull that off for a whole month, that's impressive. But I also, as a young man who was very immature, I did not know how to break up with girls and now you're properly. Older and immature. Yes, much older and immature now, but I lacked the um I lacked the courtesy and human empathy enough to like break up with people properly. <laughs> so what I would do is just the coward's move where you just you ghost would... them. So then I had Melinda Belinda calling me all the time. <laughs> This was back in the day of like answering machines and I was trying to ghost her. And then beep. Yeah. And then whenever it became obvious that because I didn't know her name and I it just was not there wasn't a connection there. And so it just got kind of ugly as she the end 
occurred to her and it was because I didn't handle it well. And so I, I was the recipient of some anger. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, I'm trying to dance around this as best I can. So did you just like, just b- brush the whole scenario under the rug and hope that it would go away. And, and, and all it did was result in her blasting you on the telephone all the time. And at work. Yeah, this was, <laughs> and, and work. this was, um, Jesus and Christ. I once had, uh, I once had a young, a you young, handled this brilliantly. And I handled another relationship <laughs> just as poorly where, she, where not her, but like five of her friends came to my door to chew me out, oh which was God. great. But so you get five Alanis Morissette's all at the same time. Yeah. I, well, the problem was, is I just did not, I was, I was that guy who just did not break up with people. I just basically would just like, pretend they didn't exist anymore <laughs> and apparently people don't like that they want to know where they stand and oh so my God. anyway malignant machismo how do you score uh, uh machismo oh, a plus one you're uh, giving machismo. that a one i am uh i, I see am. i struggle with the macho because macho to me implies masculinity and this is obviously a woman's i'm, exp- I'm in, in, in in so you're just measuring i'm it expanding like a, it a little and just Saying there's some anger here. Anger and, and like, you know, like I feel like like she's in the Hetfield stance when she's, oh, when she's totally. doing this. Legs spread apart. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give it a point five. Just I'm not, I can't feel the, fr- I can't feel the full one. I'm going to go a point five. I gotcha. All right, let's get this autopsy back on track. I apologize for the digression into my pathetic, uh, youthful love life. It's category five. <laughs> it's culture vulturism. Rico, how do you see? No, it's a zero, man. She's not vulturing any cultures here. Yeah, it's, it's a, a zero. zero. Not only that, but it's like one of the first records that defined the post grunge era. Yeah. You know, because by 94, grunge is done. Yep. Kirk's dead. All the grunge bands had put out their best records, Super Unknown and Nevermind and Dirt and all that shit had already come out. 10. 94, yep. like the, the next three or four years, like that little midsection of the 90s was a whole. It's all post grunge. A whole post grunge, which was totally different than. Yep, ninety to ninety four, completely different. Yep, but great music. Still and great. This music. is one of like the leading records. Of I that like post grunge music a lot. Actually. Yeah, and and I think of and you hear a lot of the tropes of post grunge yeah. actually in this song. You know, we spun the song prior to recording the mm-hmm. podcast, and I'm like, oh, there's the breakdown that's always in post grunge songs because yep. it's there. Three quarters of the way through, you get that little breakdown. Yeah, track. and you hear the layered, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the little vocal on top, mm-hmm. vocal that. That's in like everything. Every post grunge. But song. this isn't that's not a slag on Alana's no, set. In fact, she was a leader in this For sure. as an innovator. So there's no culture vulturism Ew. here. She was one of she had one of the defining records of an entire musical genre and era. So clearly coming from a side of leadership here, right? Absolutely. Music. So it's a big zero for me. It's a big zero. Uh Holy cow, dude. Um, what can I say? Not bad. It's terrible. All right. Um, you ready to score this bad boy? Yeah, but first, um, can I can I tell you that from the very first time that I've heard this song, I've had one problem with it, and it I still have the same problem with it all these years, like, like, tw- like almost 20 years later. I still have the same problem with it. Can I tell you what that is? Movie theater blowjobs. No, no, that's a definite plus. But no. fingernail back scratching. No, my problem is this. Uh, 
the in the verse we've got a really cool tremolo guitar, right? Yep, Dave Navarro, right? Yeah, it's Dave Navarro. Dave that's Navarro right. And yep. Flea, Flea from, on bass from Jane's Addiction, way. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Flea. The bass line is dramatically underrated in this song. I think Flea's bass line is superb. Kind of always the case with Flea. True. Has he ever mailed one in? <laughs> uh, never, actually. Yeah. Uh, which, good on him for that. But yeah. no, you got this cool tremolo guitar in the chorus. Yeah, yeah. Then you get to the really angry uh, chorus, right? Verse, tremolo guitar. Angry chorus, tremolo guitar. I would have liked to for him to hit a pedal and make it a little heavier in the ver- in the chorus and then in the verse go back to the tremolo guitar tremolo in the verse and get into some overdrive get into some overdrive yep. in the chorus that i felt that from the second i heard the song 18 years ago and listen going back and listen to it again i still feel the same way it's always been my problem is that the chorus just needed to be a little heavier tremolo guitar had a had a, it's like a kind of a 90s post grunge kind of staple yeah. you know who else like there's an rem record called monster which is like their post grunge record yeah Every fucking track, Peter Buck's got tremolo guitar. It's great. It works on the record. it's amazing. It works on the record, and it's great. And I think Chris Isaac, am I correct? A lot of tremolo, I think, and on some of those songs, too. But But I always felt like the the, the tremolo is perfect for chorus. Yeah. I mean, for the the verse, I mean. Yep. But the chorus just needed to be overdrive and heavier. And I always felt that way. I think the song would have been even more gigantic than it than it even was if they could have just made that little more distinction there. Yeah, I mean, listen, though. I mean, a lot of love for, for this Sorry, album. I didn't mean to nerd out on the song part. Oh, it, no, but. dude. You know what, man? I understand. You had to go and shit on her. I get it. <laughs> you know? You had to just say, hey, listen, uh, Glenn Ballard hey, and Alanis Morissette. Hey, she's used Morissette. to being shit on by Coulier, so why not? Fucking Dave Cooley. Allegedly. Man. Allegedly. I mean, then there who was a the rumor other? that it was some hockey dude. Some hockey guy. I don't, I don't know. I don't even know who she that is. She was into the hockey cuts, man. Well, the she's Canadian, man. Mullet what do you want? Thing. You ever eat back bacon? You like back bacon? Yeah, sure, man. Back yeah. bacon's awesome, man. Yeah. Put it on an egg sandwich. Oh, yeah. American cheese or, or different cheese? Different. I'm not an American cheese no? guy, man. Not even like Listen, not a and hot it's still egg reflection sandwich. of like my patriotism. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so that was my one problem with this song is I just felt the ver- the chorus needed to be heavy. You might have, what do you think of uh, Dave Navarro as a guitar player? Uh, he's okay. I didn't know that he did the studio stuff for this. Until Me either. Looking into it, I, I was surprised with that. I didn't know that he did any session work. At I, all. I like he kind of like okay. I kind of i i put him maybe in the same not playing style but what he brings to the band maybe is maybe like an edge he's like a texture ish type of a guy yeah there's a little bit of that i, I i'm a i'm a dave navarro fan he was one of my you favorite. could probably come on him way more he was one of my favorite players back in the day because i love jane's addiction yeah. and to me like he's he's from he's a billy duffy type he's yeah. that Always kind of tasteful, always doing what's right for the song, and you know, not super flashy. Although he can, that's be, what but, I mean. I mean, you yeah. you put the words better than me. I that's really I think what I'm trying to. Say. I like I like I'm a fan of his as a guitar yeah. player, and I like no, the, I, I, I like, like him as a guitarist for sure. But I didn't know I was surprised he did the session work on this, so it kind of makes me want to look it up and see what else he's he's done. Yeah, the I mean, scenes. now I wonder if 
Was this when was he with the Peppers? Was this after this or before this? Um, it was the record. I'm just I'm just spitballing here, so I could be dead wrong. But one Blood Sugar it was one hot minute. One hot that minute. was the record after Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Oh, so that so he was already with them when he did this. That would make sense if he was still hanging. Because I was just wondering if this is what got him into the. But if one hot minute was before this. So yeah. he would have already have worked with them, and he just did the one record with. The it was just yeah, just and that then, one record. Was back and the video it. where him and who was he making out with in one hop in that video? It's Flea wasn't it? And that I was thought, for no, the song it was, Warped, it was, um, wasn't it? No, it wasn't Flea. It was uh, um, the lead singer. What can I find? Anthony Kiedis. Yeah, it was him and Kiedis. I okay. thought. Yeah, that was another big thing in the '90s. Is kind of crossing yeah. sexual yeah. taboo. It's and all cool. That whatever. Stuff back in the day, whatever uh, floats your boat. <sighs> All right. Do you have a score? Can we add this up and do some math? I got to get my calculator out here. Give me a second. Take your shoes and socks off. Right. Divided by nine. I have one point. I have one point. What is one plus one? One plus one equals. That's how it works. Yeah, I mean, it song, makes it, sense. Well, congratulations. She contributed to Rod. You certainly did. No big surprise here. Yeah, we needed a, a big, uh, you know, you've talked in prior episodes about your affinity for the women in rock movement of the, the 90s. Mid-90s, yeah, the mid-90s. She's right there, man. The post-grunge women's movement is fantastic. I love it. All right, Alanis. Listen, I'm afraid of you. you I'm made sorry me, that this happened. You made me very publicly recount an era of my life when I was a dopey dude. Um, so I'm sure, I'm sure I'm not going to win any uh, popularity contest. And Melinda, Belinda, if you're out there, I apologize. <laughs> I still don't know your name. <laughs> it's been 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> God. All right. Thank you. This is Rock and Roll Autopsy. We appreciate you coming out here and giving us a listen tonight. Good night now. Let me have that special rock and roll music. Yeah. Let me tell you, so the lyrics to real rock music is nothing more than satanic cyanide. Get it out of your house, throw it out, and burn it. It has no place in the house of the righteous. You guys, it's like a mistake. There's no mistake anymore. To the door, love it till the morning. I'm gone. I'm gone. Follow us on Twitter at RNR Autopsy, or you can send an email to rock and roll autopsy at gmail.com. And if we run across anything good, we'll mention it in a future episode. Thanks for listening. Later. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man.